0: I'm Erin Warren, and welcome to the final episode of Season 9 of the Feasting on Truth podcast. We have spent about 18 weeks in the book of Romans in a study called By His Grace, For His Glory. And we reach the end today with Romans 16. I'll talk more at the end about how you can find out what's coming up next, and a little bit about um, how Romans, studying Romans, has marked my faith profoundly. Y'all, it has reiterated some deep truths about who God is um, and who I am without Him. But before we jump in, I want to remind you about the Enjoy God's Word Women's Online Bible Conference coming up on May 2nd through 4th. This fully online conference is a great way to grow in your knowledge of God when attending a conference in person just isn't possible. Um, While it launches May 2nd through 4th, you'll have access to the over 20 sessions that are centered around the theme of Supernatural um, for a lifetime. So you can watch them on your own time. Um, I'm really excited to learn more about topics such as spiritual warfare, God's incommunicable attributes, the Trinity, end times, and more. Um, You only have a few more days to save with the early bird discount, so if you purchase your ticket by April 10th, you can save $20. And if you purchase through the link in the show description, half of your ticket price will go to support Feasting on Truth. Romans 16 is the close of Paul's letter, and it follows a similar format that was common in that day closing with greetings to specific people, final instructions, and finishes with praise for who God is. Let's get to it. Here's the final teaching for Romans, Romans chapter 16. Hey y'all, and welcome to our final week of By His Grace, For His Glory, an inductive study on the book of Romans. We are in our last chapter, Romans 16, but before we get to it, let me open us up in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you um, for the inspired word that Paul penned in Romans, Lord, that has just been so profound and so eye-opening and so foundation-setting. And um, Lord, you have just, you have used the words of Romans throughout centuries for thousands of years, Lord to woo us to you, to remind us of the truth of the gospel. And Lord, I just pray that you would um, just let your word fall on us tonight. May your spirit, um, Lord, I just pray that your truth is what is shared. Lord, I pray that... um, my mouth will be um, your mouthpiece, Lord, that um, I will share your truth, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our savior, our rock, our redeemer, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, typically, I would start reminding us of the context, but I want to jump right in to the the text today, and I'm going to come back toward the end and do the full review of the book of Romans for us, so we can go back and look at everything that we have studied over the course of 18 weeks. Um, So I um, am just going to jump in to Paul's greetings. In his final words, this is a typical way that um, a letter would end. It would end with greetings to people within um, the, the community that was receiving the letter. And so that is what Paul is going to do here. I commend to you, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of synchrea that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well greet prisca and aquila it's also priscilla it's just a different form of the name um my fellow workers in christ who risked their necks for my life to whom not only i give thanks but all the churches of the gentiles give thanks as well greet also the church in their house Greet my beloved Appenitus, who was the first convert in to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ompliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stakes. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman, Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Trifosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Plegan, Hermes, Atrobus, Hermes, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Goose. Nope, I said that wrong. Philologus, <laughs> Julia, Meresis, and her sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I definitely had to practice those names a few times to make sure that I got them right. Um, Y'all, I really encouraged y'all and in, in your book this week to really spend time with these names. Typically, we would just gloss over them and we would say, you know, okay, yeah, 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 person, person, person. But if we um, do some research, we look up where else we find them in scripture or um read some commentary on them. Y'all, there's some really amazing little nuggets of gold in this group of people that Paul um, mentioned. So I'm just gonna mention a few of them. And in your small groups, I'd love for you guys to share more about some of the the neat things that you have seen um, and some of the themes that um, we see through these. So we start with Phoebe. This letter has most likely been carried by Phoebe and Paul calls her his sister in Christ. She served the church in Sincrea, which is a port city near Corinth. Um, in Acts 18, 18, as Paul is leaving Corinth to set sail for Ephesus, he stops in Sincrea and gets a haircut. Um, I find, this, you know, it's just Fun little facts, um, but it was an important detail that he um, that Luke felt he needed to um, include because it mentions that he had made a vow. And so it shows that Paul is faithful to keep his vow to get a haircut. Um, Paul calls Phoebe a servant of the church, and this is the Greek word deaconess. The the, Y'all, this was so fascinating to me. I loved reading about this because we often talk about, you know, there's a lot of debate, you know, was she actually a deacon? Was she on some sort of leadership or in some sort of influential position within her church and and all of this? Um, But I think what's really cool to me is that the word literally means to kick up dust, that being a deacon or a deaconess literally means to kick up dust. Um, It comes from a root word that is probably connected with the verb, verb dioko, which means to hasten after or to pursue. So think about this pursuit within ministry, this pursuit for Christ, that as you are going, you are kicking up dust. Um, The New Testament usually refers to the Lord inspiring his servants to carry out his plan for the people. So um, being his minister. And so as we are pursuing the plan, as we are pursuing carrying out the gospel, that as our feet move us toward carrying the gospel, that we are kicking up dust. Um, Phoebe was a patron or a benefactor of Paul and others. Um, So she was generous in supporting ministry. And she was probably a woman of status and of influence. And it's very possible that she carried this letter because she was going um, to Rome on business. Um, Next, we see Priscilla and Aquila. And these two, this married couple, um, we see throughout scripture in multiple places. So if you did a search, you would have seen them show up um, in first Corinthians they send their greetings to the church of Corinth um, in second Timothy Paul sends his greetings to them as well um, in Acts 18 is where we find their story and we see that these two um, had, were Jews who had been expelled remember the background of the book of Um, Romans is that when Emperor Claudius expelled the Jews from Rome, they they scattered. And so Priscilla and Aquila were among those and they um, were living in Corinth when Paul came through Corinth and they were tent makers and so Paul who also was a tent maker, um, lived with them for his time that he was there. Um, and then they in turn traveled with Paul. They were very instrumental in the church. Um, they traveled with Paul through, um, Sencria, And so I love thinking of that connection that they, that they probably would have had with Phoebe through their travels. Um, They were leaders in the church, we see this beautiful story in Acts 18 of their humility, there was someone who was knowledgeable who had a gift and who was teaching the gospel, but was off just a little bit and how Priscilla and Aquila um, pulled him aside and helped teach him kind of realign the truth of the gospel for him so that he would be a force um, for the gospel as he continued. Um, and Paul points out here that they risk their own lives for the gospel and for Paul. Um, they also had a, a, a church in their home. And so we've talked a lot um, throughout this whole study about the church in Rome, the church in Rome, Um, Rome did not allow large gatherings of groups of of Jewish or Christian believers. And so um, it's most likely that there were lots of of house churches. Um, And so there's some speculation that because of that, it actually helped spread the gospel faster um, because there was not one central point. There were lots of little churches. However, that also did um, kind of add to the complication of the division within the church in Rome. And so, um, they were ones that had a Priscilla and Aquila had a church in their home. Um, so they are part of that. Um, and though they are Jewish, y'all, Paul notes that the churches of the Gentiles give thanks for Priscilla and Aquila. And I think, um, that just points so much to the unity, to the respect that these two had. Um, and So one last little fascinating thing about them, there's a lot about Priscilla and Aquila and I haven't even touched all of it. Um, So typically um, the husband's name would be mentioned first, but anytime in scripture we see them, we see Priscilla and Aquila. So we see Priscilla, the wife mentioned first. And that means that most likely she was born of a higher status than her husband. Um, we see Mary, um, it is the Latin form of the Jewish name, Miriam. So she is most likely a Jew. She worked hard. We see another married couple, Andronicus and Junia, um, most likely Roman citizens. And you can see in that instance where the husband is named before the wife. Um, at some point they were prisoners with Paul and Paul notes that they had been believers longer than even Paul had. Um, I love the way that NIV um, Describes Apelles. He says, "Whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test?" Y'all, let that be said of me that my fidelity to Christ would stand the test. Um, Aristobulus is possibly the grandson of Herod the Great. Um, Narcissus, um, Narcissus, is um, possibly references to the slaves or the freed persons who once belonged to Narcissus. Um, if it is the same um, well-known narcissist narcissist from um, history, he himself was a freedman, so had been enslaved and enslaved and then freed, um, and was one of the most powerful men in the empire under Emperor Claudius. Um, one of my favorite little fun things was <laughs> Trifenia and Trifosa. Their names mean dainty and delicate, but yet um, Paul. Um, in this juxtaposition, praises them for their work; that they are laborers, um, co-laborers with him. Um, and um, one last one: Rufus and his mom. So it's possible that Rufus is the same Rufus mentioned in Mark fifteen twenty one. Um, if so, Rufus's father was Simon the Serene, the one who carried Jesus's cross to um, to when he fell and took it all the way to Golgotha. Um, What I think is so neat, um, and this is the big idea I want us to take, it's fun to drill down and get those little things, but here's what's so fascinating is if we kind of pull back out and we look at this list of names and the people and the things that he commends, this whole book has been written about finding unity within the body of Christ. And Paul writes and greets people with unity in mind. We see both Jews and Gentiles. We see both men and women. He specifically mentions 10 women. Um, we see famous men and women and we see unknown men and women. We see freed, men and we see slaves, we see rich and we see poor, we see married, we see single, we see younger, we see older, we see dainty and delicate. Um, We see new Christians and many who have been Christians long before even Paul. Um, We see those who may have um, seen Jesus like Rufus and his mom Um, who were alive during his time. We see those who have been tested. We see ones who have endured. We see some who have been in prison, ones who serve, one who work hard. We see dear friends. Paul has written even in his his final greetings, the part that we typically wouldn't think would point us to the theology or, or teach us a lesson, but he has pointed to in his greetings, the beauty of the diversity of the church. That there are so many people of different backgrounds all together to form one body by his grace and for his glory. Um, After his greetings, he makes one final call to the church. This is 17 through 20. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. remember the theme that Paul has been writing with. He has been resetting the foundation of the gospel. He has been showing how we are all common in sin and common in salvation and how um, he is bringing unity to these clashing ethnic groups within the Roman church. And so he gives this final warning here. He says, watch out for two types of people. He says, um, and that word, watch out, beware, regard them. Like, we need to pay attention. We need to look at them. We need to not miss what he is, um, who they are. We must be shrewd. We must be looking. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He is prowling around like a roaring lion. And so we need to have eyes open and mindful of where he is working. Um, he says, watch out for people who cause division. Um, in fact, he actually, um, It's this word that means manufacture, um, one to make up division. It's people who seek to divide the unity of the body of Christ. Um, And again, we're not talking about um, issues of sin and salvation. He's talking about the things that are um, so in their case, remember, we we talked about circumcision. We talked about the foods that they eat, the days that they considered holy. So. We need to be mindful that we are one body. We have many denominations and we have many, and there are ones that, um, that do toy with the way that you are saved. Okay. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. And Paul has, has laid that out. But there are some things within our denominations that are like, well, I like this kind of music or I like that kind of music. We need to remember that we are all the body of Christ and we should be so um, cautious of anyone who would try to create division on issues That are not the main issues. Um, He also says, watch out for people who add to the gospel, um, people who create obstacles that are contrary to the truth of the gospel. Um, Obstacle was one of our words that we defined this week. Merriam Webster defines it as something that impedes progress or achievement. So anything that's going to hinder someone's walk with Christ, that's going to impede their progress with Jesus. Um, The Greek word, um, here we see this idea of the obstacle. It's different. It's a different Greek word than the stumbling block we saw in Romans 14. This word, um, and I'm going to say the word, and then you're going to know exactly where we where we apply this word in um, in English. It's scandala. Sounds like scandal. It's someone. It literally means a stick for bait or a trap. It's the part that when when hit, it triggers the trap to close um and claim its victim. So we need to be aware of people who say Jesus plus blank. All right? Jesus plus baptism, Jesus plus um sacraments, Jesus plus communion, Jesus plus confession to a priest, conf- you know, none of those G- those pluses are what save us. None of those things, those are obstacles that keep us from getting to Jesus. It is Jesus, only Jesus. We are saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Um, We need to be mindful. We need to know the truths that Paul has laid out in Romans so that anytime somebody tries to teach us something otherwise, we can say, no, that is not what the gospel says. We need to be so firmly rooted in the truth of what um, he calls us to so that we are not swayed, we are not tripped up, and we are not caught off guard by those um, who would seek to create division and obstacles. Um, he says, those people serve their own stomach. They do not serve God. They have smooth talk and flattery. And so that's why we have to be so mindful and, and ready and armed with truth so that we aren't swayed Um Philippians 3, 18 through 21, Paul kind of um, speaks to the same idea. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. So look to the ones that you know are following Christ, for many of whom I have told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Let's remember this, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Those are people, their God is their belly, and their glory will turn to their own shame. Um, a verse that has been so instrumental to me, and I quote it a lot, is Second Timothy 3, 1-7. Um, but understand this, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, Without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into the households and capture weak women Burden with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of truth. Y'all, let's be wise followers of Jesus. Let's arrive at a knowledge of truth so that we are not swayed by those who may look like God, godly people, those who might talk with smooth talk and may um, sway us, but let's be shrewd. Let's know truth. Let's know the gospel. Let's know who God is so that we are not tempted to believe anything else. And let's kick up some dust, girls. Um, Let's keep going. By his grace and for his glory. Um, Back to that Philippians 3 passage, just a few verses earlier, Paul says this in 12 through 14, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love the imagery. I think that's why that idea of kicking up dust really stood out to me because we see this theme of the running the race throughout scripture, pressing on toward the goal. Um, let's pursue with such passion that we're kicking up dust as we go. Hebrews 12, one and two, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's hold to peace. Let's press on. Let's run the race fixed on Jesus the one who is the author of our faith, the one through whom we can do any of it. Um, and we can hold on to peace with one another because he is the God of peace. Um, peace is more than just not being at war. Um, it's this idea of wholeness. It's this um, picture of completeness, of of being undivided. And so I love that he ends with God of peace here because Um, that means we are undivided because he is undivided. He is one, therefore we are one. And he says, and he points back to this Genesis 3, 15 prophecy um, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Um, As part of the curse in Genesis is um, God um, after the fall And God is giving the curse to Adam and Eve and to the serpent. He tells the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Um, Paul has been pointing throughout the entire book to God's faithfulness to keep his promise. He has shown us throughout um, the book how Jesus was the fulfillment of the law and prophets. He was the fulfillment. God was faithful to do all he said he would do in the Old Testament in and through Jesus. And so here he reminds him, because God has been faithful, he will continue to be. And one day soon, he will crush the head of Satan under his feet. He is faithful to do all he says he will. Paul continues with some greetings from people that he um, is with, um, and um, so we see Timothy, Lucius, Jason, so um, Socipater, Tertius, who wrote the letter, so it was very common to have a scribe write the letter, um, And the church, Aristasis, I don't have a ton of time to go into him, the city treasurer, but um, they have actually found um, in um, a stone with his name on it as the city treasurer. Um, It's just such a good reminder that these are real people who live. They're not just names that are hard to pronounce in in an ancient book, but that each of these people represent lives that were faithful to the gospel. And who ran the race, who kicked up dust. Um, So before we get to the final few verses, um, I want us to go back and I want to see the journey that Paul has brought us on. Um, And I want to go back. I'm going to read my summary statement from each um, chapter so that we can see and be reminded of the truths of the book of Romans Paul is writing to bring unity between two clashing ethnicities. Um, He has the Jews and the Gentiles. And so we've talked a lot about how he is just really resetting the foundation, which is why Romans is so foundational, because he's really coming back to saying, this is what the gospel is. And this is what it means to have faith in Jesus. This is what we get. And here's how we respond to it the first um there's four sections and so the first four chapters are the first section it really shows our need for a savior versus god's righteousness um in romans 1 paul writes a letter to the roman church he explains the gospel and the righteousness of god and shows how people have exchanged the truth of god for a lie how god gives people over to that which they crave, the created rather than the creator. We talked about how those, these first two and a half chapters really show where we are without Jesus, that we need a savior. Romans 2, he addresses the pride of spiritual position. It's important to remember the context of the letter as Paul shows how we are all common in our sin and we need a savior and that God is the only righteous judge. Romans 3, we are all sinners. But there is good news. We are justified and redeemed through faith in Jesus Christ. We saw those two beautiful words, but now there is hope. These verses are some of the most compact and rich gospel explanations in the entire Bible. Romans 4, Paul concludes this section and continues to show that we are saved by faith and not by works. He uses Abraham to illustrate how both Jews and Gentiles are included in God's family and that righteousness is rooted in faith and that works are a sign of the faith, not, um, not of our righteousness. The second section, Romans 5 through 8, um, it focuses on our life because of Christ. Um, in Romans 5, we were enemies with God, but now because of Jesus, we have peace Jesus came while we were enemies so we could have access to God's grace. While sin, condemnation, and death came through Adam, righteousness, justification, and life came through Jesus and only by faith in him. Romans 6, sin leads to death. But Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ, we now have new life. Our baptism shows how we died and were buried, but resurrected to new life. We do not keep on sinning because of grace. Rather, we walk in obedience with a covering of righteousness as we are sanctified. Romans 7 The law shows us our sin. Sin takes every opportunity to deceive us. There is nothing good in our flesh, but his law is holy, righteous, and good. And we now walk in the new way of the spirit. Thanks be to God for Jesus. Romans 8, one of everyone's favorite chapters, even in the already, but not yet. And even though we still struggle with our sin, as we are sanctified, we are not condemned because of God through Jesus, we are vindicated and liberated from death by sin. And we now have the spirit of life in us. We are children and heirs of God empowered by the indwelling of the Holy spirit. We are more than conquerors and nothing can separate us from the steadfast love of our Abba father. But as we wait for the fulfillment of his promise, we are not left as orphans. We have a spirit who guides us, helps us and intercedes for us on our behalf. Um, Romans 9 through 11 is the third section, and this is where Paul connects the Old and New Testament and shows how God is creating a new multi-ethnic family, and that has been his plan all along. He revisits the promises and the history of Israel Further showing how we are saved by faith, not by works or by our heritage or the line that we are born into. Um, And he's breaking down that pride of spiritual position. Romans 9, Paul shows that God is still faithful to fulfill his promise. He uses at least a dozen Old Testament passages to show God's sovereignty over the line of promise as an example. Jesus is the promise, and we are saved only by faith in him, no matter our heritage. The Lord withholds judgment, and he allows those who surrender and those who do not to live longer to accomplish his purpose for the glory of his great name. Romans 10, he explains how God is still faithful and has kept his promise. He uses several Old Testament verses to remind us that his word is near. Um, We must believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. But instead, Israel has turned away trying to establish their own way. Romans 11, God is creating a multi-ethnic family where God requires faith for salvation. That is his grace to us. Being born Jewish or following the law is not what saves you. We cannot choose our own way and then call God unfaithful. He is faithful always, and we need to submit to his ways through faith in Christ Jesus and accept the ge- g- gift of grace that he offers the final section Romans 12 through 15 we can throw 16 in with that. Um, is kind of the what now it is the what do we do because of Jesus because of his salvation how then are we to live out um Romans 12 Paul encourages his brothers and sisters to be sanctified and with humility to live in love and service to one another With God's grace, we can be united even in our diversity and live um, peaceably with all. We all have a role and a part to play in the beautiful multi-ethnic body of Christ. Romans 13, he emphasizes the honor to the government and reiterates again that we should love our neighbor as ourselves, both with the aim of bringing glory to God. He reminds us again, do not satisfy the flesh. Um, but instead, put on Jesus, and we can do this because the night is far gone, and the day is near. Um, we are children of the light. Romans fourteen, Paul addresses two specific examples of non-essential cultural issues that were creating division within the church. Um, We should not criticize or belittle others who differ in opinions that are not a matter of sin or salvation. Um, We must take care not to be a stumbling block and lead others to sin. Romans 15, Paul encourages us to follow Christ's example of humility, to welcome one another, and so bring glory to God. He reminds us that there is one word, one mind, one voice, one hope. And his name is Jesus. We can have unity in the body of Christ, and he concludes affirming his ministry and explaining his plans to visit Rome. I mentioned last week um, to spend some time in Acts and just kind of see how Paul eventually does end up in Rome, but it's not according to his own plan. Um, at the end of Acts, we see that Paul is arrested, and he eventually goes um, in Acts 27 he sets sail for Rome but not as a free person as a prisoner Um, and he has a long journey there's a lot of twists and turns and shipwreck and delays Um, they have a hard time getting there but eventually in Acts 28 we see him arrive in Rome Um, and he um, and he does ministry in Rome under house arrest Um, it is not the ministry he was hoping he would have there but yet Paul is still faithful in Rome Um, in Acts 28 23 through 24 it says they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and they came even they came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. Paul, even while in prison, was um, in under house arrest, was having visitors from all over the city, believers, non-believers coming, and he was faithful to preach the gospel to them. Um, And then in verse 30 through 31, we see for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance, without hindrance, with no obstacle. He preached the truth of God for two years under house arrest. Um, Somewhere between 64 and 68 AD, Paul was murdered. He was killed um, for his faith, most likely beheaded under the reign of Nero. Um, he wrote many incredible letters that teach us much about Jesus and about the gospel. But I think this one is one that has been so impactful for thousands of years. Um, we talked about this in the very first week, but I want to remind us that, um, that it has been one that has um that has impacted many. Um, Saint Augustine in the fourth century was far from God and he heard Romans 13 and he gave his life to Jesus. He became one of the most well-known theologians. Martin Luther, while transcribing Romans into German, read Romans 1, 16 through 17, and he recognized the corruption of the Catholic church at the time. And it eventually led to the 95 Theses and the Protestant Reformation. Um, John Wesley heard a reading of Martin Luther's commentary on Romans, and it ignited his faith, and it led to revival throughout all of England. Um, William Tyndale, in his 1534 preface to Romans, says this For as much as this epistle is the principal and most excellent part of the New Testament, and the most pure gospel, and also a light and a way unto the whole of Scripture, I think it meet that every Christian man or woman not only know it by rote, but also exercise himself there, therein evermore, continually, as with the daily bread of the soul. No man can verily read it too oft or study it too well. For the more it is studied, the easier it is, the more it is searched, the more precious the things found in it. So great the treasure of spiritual things that lieth hidden um lieth hid therein i think i have experienced that in romans these sweet gems the treasure that we have mined over the last 18 weeks going through the book of romans together um, we have found precious things truths about us um release chains released Reminding us that we don't live under condemnation, reminding us that we do need a Savior and we can be dependent on Christ, and that is not weakness but our strength. Um, reminding that that He, what He has done for us, we have seen the whole of Scripture open because we have gone back to the Old Testament and seen how Jesus is the fulfillment of so many of those prophecies. Um, Paul points directly to. I'm gonna close. Um, now with Paul's doxology is my prayer. Um, It just means words of honor or praise. And as I speak this over us and I pray over us, I want you to hear um, the whole of Romans in these final few verses. Um, It's very possible that Paul would have penned these particular words himself. Um, And so I wanna echo Um, what he said, he's going to remind them that their strength comes from Jesus, that the mystery of the Old Testament has been revealed in Jesus Christ, um, that the mystery has been made known, not just to the Jews, but to the the nations. um, And because God has commanded it so um, and is ushering in obedience through um, faith in Jesus Christ. So let me pray for us. Now to him who is able, to strengthen you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. are so many key truths from romans that have marked me i have a better picture of the steadfast love of our god his long-suffering patience with us his mercy and grace to come here so that we can live in christ with the power of the spirit in us seeing all of this through the lens of unity in our diversity and that how we treat each other's matters i think two key things that really stick with me was this idea that we cannot choose our own way and then call God unfaithful. That if we want to live under the promises of God, then we need to submit to His ways. We cannot choose to be our own God and then get mad at Him for not keeping a promise to us. He is faithful always, even when we are unfaithful. And I think one of the most powerful exercises for me in this section was going back to Leviticus 18 and defining what it means to love our neighbor. I'm. Still still so mind-blown over the idea that Jesus and Paul, when they reference love your neighbor as yourself with the law, they are not talking about 1 Corinthians 13. When Jesus said that, that chapter was not even written yet, Um, so that they were actually referencing the Torah. And going back to that passage in Leviticus really gave some concrete ideas of how we treat one another, what it means to love our neighbor, and um, with the understanding that how we treat others matters because it is how we bring glory to God. When we end one Bible study, it's important for us to not be like monkeys. Monkeys don't let go of one branch until they reach the other. And so we do not want to do that with Bible study. We don't want to jump right into another Bible study. Instead, we want to do a process that we call gleaning. It comes from that idea that we saw in Leviticus 18 and with Ruth, how they would go back through the fields and pick up the leftover pieces, the pieces that were left on the ground. And so this idea of gleaning means that we go back through our study and we pick up the pieces that maybe we we left behind. Um, Maybe you didn't get as far one week or you had to skip a week. Um, Go back and and redo that week. Um, Maybe there was a concept or a passage you wanted to dive a little deeper into, a rabbit hole you wanted to go down. Um, Take the time to do that. I really encourage you over the next two weeks or so. that you read a chapter of Romans a day, you'll be amazed at how many more things you start to pick up on now that you've gone through the whole book to go back and read it again, um, particularly in those earlier chapters that we studied so long ago. We do have some exciting announcements, though, about what is coming next for Feasting on Truth this summer. Um, So make sure that you're signed up on my email list. That announcement's going to be coming out very soon, and I don't want you to miss it. So go to feastingontruth.com, and you'll scroll down. You'll see a place where you can um, click a link to sign up. It'll say sign up for email updates. Um, When you do that, I'll also send you the first chapter of my book for free. Thank you guys so much for studying along with us through the book of Romans, and I am looking forward to seeing you real soon.